Welcome to VidStorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm your regular host, Trevor Scott, and with me is Daniel Ryan. Hey, Trevor, really glad to be here. Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself. I also have a podcast called Game Club. It's a bit like a book club, but we play video games, and uh, that's fortnightly. I'm a big fan of the show, first-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> well, I've been listening to your podcast a little bit, and I, I really was enjoying the um, the Papers, Please episode. That was your, That's your latest one, isn't it? That's right. Glory to Astoska. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought... Let's let's have a bit of fun today. Bring another guest host on because well, I've got time to I've got time to edit this time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I on the couple of weeks that I have had other stuff, I've just had Ben's Ben stuff, but no, I thought it's good to, good time to have some more guests on. So, today we're just going to be playing Click Pitch, which for those who haven't listened before, that's a game where I can dance three, two, one, click. We both have a random word generator. We click refresh. We get a word, and then we try to come up with a game that doesn't exist, but we want it to. So, you ready, Daniel? I'm ready to play. Ready to play. Okay, good. Three, two, one, click. Toadstool. Timber. So, I'm thinking it's a lumberjack game, mm-hmm. and you're like a tiny little gnome, and so you're uh, in basically like a mushroom forest, and you're cutting down toadstools. Because they they aren't as they aren't as pretty as the mushrooms. So hence the timber. You know, you you yell it out to to help people. And so, so. would this game have lots of different types? You mentioned you got to cut down the toadstools, uh, yep. but you got to keep the mushrooms up, right? Got to keep the mushrooms up. Okay. Because um, well, toadstools are poisonous. We'll put it that. Way. I'm just wondering. Okay, what other game mechanics can we have here? Well, when you're cutting down these toadstools, obviously you've got to worry about pollen coming down mm-hmm. uh, while you're attempting to cut through it. And the bigger toadstools that are worth more points uh, are going to have, you're going to take longer to cut them down. And so you're going to have to be more finesse with where you place yourself around this thing. So you're not getting hit by the pollen. If you're this tiny gnome, pollen's actually like a decent size compared yeah. to you, maybe. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a pretty cool mechanic. Um, I'm just imagining that. You know, when you when you line yourself up on this toadstool, you start cutting down on one side, and you start noticing the pollen coming down on this side. So you quickly move around to the other side, and and you can sort of play strategically like that. You you're going around to the different sides just to just to try and get an even cut. And and like a, any good game involving war between mushrooms and toadstools, uh, you're gonna have to have obviously you're gonna have to have lots of different types of toadstools that maybe react differently to when you start cutting into them maybe there's a couple of boss ones like the the tree in kirby that blows wind at you and drops apples on you maybe there are some toadstools that come alive and 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 sort of take a swing at you as you you know cut them down and yell timber so they're effectively like massive goombas yeah i'd say so although i think the goombas were mushrooms weren't they and the toadstools were (laughs) close enough to toadstools yeah toadstools were the good guys (laughs) no yeah true toad Oh well, it's opposite. Maybe, yep. maybe maybe cutting down toads. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can choose a side. Uh, in, you know, in this in this day and age, we we want to play. We want to see all sides of the story. You want to see um, the good and the bad. You want to choose which one's good and which one's bad. Maybe you can choose a side. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which forest you want to cut? And it's almost like an asymmetrical um, kind of experience. Yeah. So maybe um, in this particular, you know, in the in the multiplayer version, you've got. You know, the Mario versus Koopa. 
Um, so you got the, the little gnomes that that have got allegiance to to both those sides, and basically you're cutting down toads and goombas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And you're you're this this tiny, not human creature with your trusty axe, I imagine, uh, and toadstools, as you mentioned, are the po- are more poisonous ones. Mm-hmm. So they're going to. Uh, be themed appropriately so perhaps uh just being near them is almost like acid on the ground or uh you know speaking of mushrooms and acid and hallucinogenics maybe you hit one and it's <laughs> it's kind of like those those fuzzy things in in uh, super mario world 2 or yoshi's island or whatever where oh, yeah. you know, the screen starts going all weird and you start seeing really bizarre things and um becomes a bit scarecrow-esque yeah that that <laughs> that's actually kind of a cool mechanic. What kind of boss monsters would you expect in uh um in Timber Toadstool? Maybe there can be like guards on the bottom part of these massive mushrooms or toadstools. And so so there's like um other gnome gnomes down the bottom sort of guarding it and they maybe have like flamethrowers and a few other things so that you can't you can't get close so you've got to work out how to actually take them out from a distance before you can get in and actually and actually defeat some of this maybe to add to the chopping mechanic instead of actually just going in i mean maybe you can just go in with your axe swinging but perhaps you can chop down smaller toadstools or mushrooms to land on the guards and sort of inflict damage that way Oh yeah. So you're trying to move around constantly while also getting points by by chopping things down and, and taking out the guards, which sort of grants you uh, sort of an easier shot at at some of the, the the big boy mushrooms. Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. Do do you reckon that um, the actual type of gameplay is going to be like a third person um, behind or or like a top down sort of Ooh, sort of thing? Yeah, I don't know. I I guess while we were describing it, I was kind of thinking of a two D kind of like Terraria, but that's only because they have mushroom forests as well. Um, oh yeah. But uh, I think a top down could be really interesting. It's just how yeah. would, the camera would have to be able to see through the the top of the mushrooms, or else maybe you're you're just chopping blind while you're under there. <laughs> you don't even know where the stem is or or anything else. It's like straight down on top, and it's like, yep, all you can see is like the tops of the mushrooms. And in this particular area, it's really really thick. That's right, and it becomes sort of like a twin stick shooter or like a gauntlet, you know, top down gauntlet style game. Um, with your you know, your left control stick is move around and your right control stick is where you swing in the axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think that that could be actually quite fun depending on on who actually designs the actual game would depend on on how well you know the um the camera would actually work. I, I'm thinking if you had sort of like maybe even a a Diablo view. Like oh yeah, that, that isometric. Um, so you get Blizzard to make it. I reckon they could they could do an amazing job with it, and they're used to doing multiplayer. And yeah, I think they've got a really good eye for aesthetic as well. You'd need a lot of vibrant color uh, to denote the difference between mushrooms and toadstools. Possibly mm. some um, some unlockable skin packs in in a in a crate of some kind um, would really work here because I'd, I'd want to obviously glitz out my toadstool um, little helmet mining helmet or whatever yeah. it is that the little gnome has to wear safety first definitely okay i reckon we should click again yeah here we go three two one click all right what do you got caroling prairie <laughs> how do you spell that uh p-r-a-i-r-i-e prairie like all alone on the prairie a prairie oyster i assume it's something to do with the wild west <laughs> yeah like little house on the prairie yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I have, a, uh, I have a game club not a book club 
Yes. It comes from the French word for meadow. So it's basically gra- grassland. Okay. Okay. So, okay, caroling. So I'm picturing, as you said, the Wild West. I'm just picturing now yep. this game where you are part of a, um, part of a, a little caroling troop. So you're trying to go around to all the houses and, and spread the Christmas joy. But it's in the old Wild West where you've got like, gunfights going on and and that sort of stuff so so maybe you know as you as you're navigating from house to house to to sing you've got to dodge gunfights that are going on you've got to get out of the way of duels and runaway stage coaches and and all those sort of things i, I think that could actually be a bit of fun yeah i reckon and now that you're, you're sort of describing that you're moving your your little caroling group um forward i'm thinking of one of those sort of beat-em-ups uh, like the old Simpsons arcade game or Battletoads, and you've got to move mm-hmm. around and sort of dodge around, um, as you said, the the Wild West gunmen who are coming out to have a, a, a duel at, at midday. Um, you know, yep. there'll, there'll be a part where there'll be a... You'll be maybe on top of a train um, that is getting robbed, and so you've got to navigate around, avoid things that get thrown around, all while busting out. Sweet jams. Yeah. So I'm also picturing that, that like you start off with a caroling troop of like seven mm-hmm. and then they're your lives. So as, as one dies, well, there goes one life and you've basically got to make it to the end of this particular area with as many lives available as possible. So if you finish with all seven, you've done an awesome job. If, if three, three people die along the way, obviously you lost three lives. Yeah. It'd almost be like a health bar as well where. As you lose people, you lose mass. Um, so yeah, you, you know, and you know, as they hit you, one of your one of your little carolers in your group goes half see through and bounces off in a funny animation from your from your caroling group because you got to stick, yep. you got to huddle together, obviously, um, against the cold of the wild west. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it could be very cold. I mean, just because it's a desert doesn't mean it gets freezing at night. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd have to have daytime ne- levels, nighttime levels uh levels out on the prairie levels in in the in the town maybe going through there where everyone's drinking rum and playing poker oh now i'm picturing a level where the houses are so far and far and few between that you know you're dodging wild animals as you as you're getting to the to the next the next level the next level may actually be you know um, a kilometer away so you gotta you gotta sort of sneak through the wilderness and you see mountain lions and all that sort of stuff that are, that are hunting and you just gotta try and get to the next house to then sing <laughs> sing your carols yeah i think that's brilliant or maybe like each each house is the end of the level like you're going between the whole level is just trying to get to the next house or or you know the midway part of the level is maybe a house so it's like a checkpoint um yep. and yeah you, obviously your goal is always to just get to that next house and and bring that christmas or non-denominational cheer <laughs> it doesn't have to be um like you don't have to actually say what type of carols they're singing it's just you've got a group that happen to be a choir and they and they're caroling but it's um you don't actually hear what what music they're doing but i don't know maybe you could have a rhythm game when you when you get there and and you hear like a non-denominational song that we come up with for the um, for the game itself. Yeah, and if you want to just fly in the face of copyright, you could just have all the the greatest game tunes. So one level, you've got to get to the end, and your caroling group is just humming or singing the Super Mario Bros. theme song the entire way. But uh, <laughs> I, th- I think yeah, something like this would, would do really well with even just sort of eight bit music. Um, that they're singing throughout the whole thing, but then, yeah, as you get to the end, maybe the boss battle is sort of a rhythm game where you've got to really impress the people in the house and bring bring peace to the to the area with your with your carols. And and I'm I'm just picturing that you know as as 
the boss battle starts, if you start getting the meter on your side, more and more people from from the previous levels actually join in with the choir. You're getting all the positive energy up, so so you start turning people to your side, and and you start getting you know some of the gunslingers that were having the duel. They're 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 off singing in the background, and and you see mountain lions come in and you know they're sort of waving side to side <laughs> i could just imagine how how silly the end would actually look but also kind of peaceful at the same time yeah especially if it's made up of all the as you said the mountain lions and the gunslingers things you've had to sort of avoid or dispatch during your path through the level but then at the mm. end they all come together because of your bardic tunes and uh, and your... You've inspired courage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I had to bring that up. <laughs> so, I do like that idea of it being that um, that 2D Simpsons beat-em-up. Just because having having sneaking mechanics in that, you know, it's on such narrow plane that, you know, you can see that the... Um, that the mountain line's just slightly up ahead and, and as it sort of turns down or you can maybe throw out some meat to try and distract the mountain lion so that you can sneak past. But you've only got X, X number of meat so you've got to you know, choose when, when to actually do that. But if you happen to have you know one of your carolers die then maybe you can you know search their body and, and, and sacrifice them meat. to the mountain lion. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> What kind of game is this? It's the old, it's the Wild West. Yeah, it's it's, all, it's wild. That's what that's what and they it's were a doing. Game. Okay, <laughs> that puts it yeah, that puts it in a new light. Yeah, I mean that they've really got to they've really got to be um, careful in this in this type of type of situation. Um, <laughs> Clearly, especially if you're out there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I went a little bit macabre. But that's all right. <laughs> oh, we're all going to be carolers and work together and then eat one. <laughs> <laughs> but they they got killed and it wasn't your fault. Sure. But yeah. you can now use their body to, to like help you get past the next few mountain lines. I was thinking maybe enemies drop, you know, once or twice use magical you know, musical instruments. Uh, or maybe, yeah, if you get hurt, they drop their instrument. And you could pick it up and, and use it. Much like in, uh, in those beat-em-up games, you could pick up a trash can and throw it. But uh, oh, sure, yeah. yeah, you could just eat one. That, that also works. <laughs> so, so are we picturing that there's going to be like an inventory system, kind of like um, I don't know a player unknown's battlegrounds. How there's a you know you can only carry so much, but if you happen to find like a, a knapsack or or something like that, you can actually carry a bit more bit more equipment. Uh, so- I think it'd be more like one, maybe one or two items. So. Um, or maybe that it's limited by how many members you still have. Oh yeah, so so like each person can carry like one thing. So you you've got the um you got the lead guy who's got a guitar, and then you got um you know a couple of people who've got water skins because you're going to need it because it's the Wild West. Mm-hmm. There's no running water. Um, and then you've got you know one or two people carrying meat. But as each person dies, you've got to decide you know what are we actually going to continue on with. Yeah. So it becomes kind of like one of those survival games that you like. You can only carry one thing. If you've got the guitar, you're gonna you're gonna finish your um your caroling and get more um get more positivity into into these people and they may actually come and join you at the end but if you turn up and you've got no guitars and you're all bloodstained they may they may be turned off and you, your final battle is actually going to be harder yeah i like that idea where it's you kind of need to balance up oh do i hang on to this this uh, guitar because it's really good in the boss fights where i have to rally everyone to me however if i don't have enough water i'm not going to make it to the boss fight yeah because i'll get thirsty and then die of dehydration but sure. you as as you go you can maybe find okay there's a stream on this level i know that but it's a little bit out of the way it's near it's near a mountain line 
if enclosure, Castle... and it's kind of like, yeah, a Metroidvania sort of. Yeah, I was thinking like, if, but... yeah, if Castlevania's taught me anything, you punch certain blocks and there's chicken in there, uh, and then oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, you, you punch a couple of trees and bang, you got you got your um, you got your chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. I really like this game. I yeah. I think it's a it's a real winner. And who would have thought that you know caroling could actually be an awesome game? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's click again. Three, All two, right, one, let's click. Do it. Cordial shield. So warm and friendly, strongly felt, or a sweet fruit flavored drink. Um, I'm thinking warm and friendly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was cordial. Yeah. Was it? Yep. Cordial. Oh, was it cordial? As in like warm. Being oh, cordial. A, a cordial greeting. Okay, I was thinking cordial, like yeah. uh, Cotty's, well, friend of the show, I imagine. Well, Spon- it, 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 no, it's sponsored, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I say cordial and I go, yep, that's what it is, but no, cordial. Cordial, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, friendly shield. Okay, that's um, that's a little bit different to where my mind was going. I was thinking of creating okay. constructs out of cordial. Um the sweet, okay. sweet yeah. tasting do, do, do you want to go? Do you want to go down your shielding with cordial? Um, no, look, you will put that on the back burner. We'll we'll save that one for the fans at home. The fan submissions, um, the friendly. Okay, so yeah, the the fan submissions have got to be um, cordial, the Coddy's fruit flavored drink, um, and shield. That's right. I think this is going to be, and 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 jump in if you've got a, a different idea, but. Uh, this is going to be an RPG, sort of like a mm-hmm. Witcher kind of game, uh, Witcher or Skyrim sort of RPG. Uh, you're just some nobody. Um, maybe you're sort of a bitter, twisted person, kind of like uh, kind of like Geralt, and you come across a super friendly sentient shield who you have mm-hmm. to keep with you at all times because it's the magic shield that's prophesized will do whatever. But as you do increasingly more evil things, the shield starts getting tainted by that as well and is no longer as friendly. So you have to decide if you're going to make that kind of balance and and Mm. trying to do the right thing, but it's harder and the shield will stay friendly. Or, you know, do you just start indiscriminately killing people for the gain, but then your shield becomes really jaded uh, and he may, he or she, you know, they may not want to f- stop the ultimate evil anymore. The shield might just be like, eh, why bother? Yeah. See, you you started talking about that, and I'm like, oh my god, you were going extremely close to where my mind has already gone. Because mm-hmm. um, you you've listened to the Adventure Zone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Adventure Zone is an is an amazing D and D actual play podcast by the McElroy brothers. Um, in there is a character called Magnus. And I was just thinking, he's warm, he's friendly, he's got the, he's got, you know, the, um, the rustic, uh, hospitality. So there's your warm and friendly. And he also quite often is like a shield sort of character. He, he protects his, um, protects his friends. Mm-hmm. So just having that sort of, that sort of thing of the warm and friendly guy that, that, you know, finds this magical shield and he's got to like protect people, but, you know, as he as he goes through and adventures and and you know attacks people, you know the idea of it tainting the shield and and changing the magical properties that's that's just added a whole new level to it. So uh, melding those two two ideas together, I think could be could be kind of cool as well. Yeah, and I don't want just the the sort of oh, this is the good decision, this is the bad decision. You know, I want I want some moral grey. I want oh yeah, I want. Stuff where you have to make a decision, but you have no idea what the outcome is going to be either way, and you kind of just have to do your best. However, yeah. the shield- Which is really 
what The Witcher was. You know, you, yeah. you never knew what was actually going to happen. You could go, yeah, I'm making this decision. And then you find out the outcome and you go, oh, God, I shouldn't have made that decision at all. But yeah, you've got you to live by your decision. Oh, definitely. And I think maybe The Shield, you know, kind of blames you or, you know, commiserates occasionally, but sometimes goes, hey, you made that decision. Like, I'm just a shield um, and starts becoming, you know, Maybe it has that morality meter or, or, or whatever, because we love, yeah. you know, light side, dark side points, all that kind of thing. Um, or maybe just the, the face of the shield itself starts changing. So, it can go either angelic or, or sort of demonic yeah. sort of thing, depending on, on which way you're sort, of, you're sort of heading. And, you know, if, you, if you're stuck in the middle, then you just got some normal face, like, of some dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like like the good, um, the old black and white series, uh, where your hand would get more angelic or demonic, depending no, on the kind of decisions you yeah. make. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm picturing you press the, the menu button or whatever it is, and your character holds up this, in, you know, touching on Magnus again, he has a mirror shield. So you hold up the mirror shield yep. and it's reflecting your character's face that you spent hours creating in the oh. um, character creator. But it takes on weird traits yeah. depending on uh, where the shield is at. So, for gameplay, you know what I would really like? An RPG set in like a Banjo-Kazooie sort of world. Mm-hmm. So, you've got that sort of cartoony graphics and um, you've got the anthropomorphic shield that can, you know, sort of have conversations and, and depending on if you're doing more evil things, you know... It, the conversations become a little bit more, you know, go kill that person. Yeah. So it's got the big, big cartoon eyes as well. Yeah. Big cartoon eyes and, and, you know, has that real cartoony look, but the actual, you know, the, the sort of subject matter that we're getting into and, and the sort of uh, missions are, are more Witcher based. So you, you've got that melding of, of, you know, the pretty cell shaded graphics, maybe, or even just good old. Large, large levels that are, that are fully 3D and you've, you've just got that juxtaposition of, um, of content versus, um, versus the look. Well, and, and now that you've mentioned Banjo Kazooie, um, absolutely. And we already, now we know who has to make it. Obviously, Rare need to make it. They've handled similar kind of stuff before with Conker's Bad Fur Day. Mm. Uh, the kind of, there's a, there's humor there and there's obviously pop culture references, but then there's some dark tones as well. You know, they do that saving private Ryan beach scene and whatnot. And, you know, they add some levity to it. But if you have yeah. to maybe make those kind of decisions or be part of those kind of decisions, um, in this and, game, you know, that they're willing to go dirty. You know, I mean, Conker's Bad Fur Day is just, you know, one of the, one of the dirtiest games for the N64. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Loved it. <laughs> It was great having those cutesy graphics with that, but um, just having it in an, in like an open world sort of situation would be would be just amazing. Uh, I'd like to see Rares taken on an open world with morality and and all the rest, and and the idea of the anthropomorphic shield as as your buddy um, that you can unlock unlock new powers as you go as well. Like on on the good side, you can maybe um, do sort of like a cleric turn undead sort of idea mm-hmm. but if if you're on the other side you know you can burn undead or something like that and you're just raising all hellfire and all that sort of stuff so what we're pitching it seems like a cross between dante's inferno and conquer's bad fur day and i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> yeah i'm okay with that too <laughs> and just for good measure you got to have the poop song in it again <laughs> yeah. Yeah. poop song take two the great mighty poo comes back <laughs> flush back uh, God, I love that game. Yeah. Okay, let's click again. Do it. <laughs> Three, two, one. Click. Torment. 
surfacing. Oh, all right. So I'm just wondering if this is a, you know, sort of on the lines of the last game. Maybe there's some torment that sort of um, happened in, in this character's backstory. And throughout the actions of, of, of this character, something starts surfacing that, that maybe they can't control. Uh, yeah. And just, just wondering whether, whether it's a supernatural sort of, sort of power that they didn't know, but it's fueled by, by torment. Yeah, I think, um, Definitely, like, leaning into that supernatural, almost uh, Cthulhu-esque, you know, H.P. Lovecraft of maybe you're going insane or maybe you are actually manifesting some kind of power uh, and the game sort of adapts uh, and your environments become maybe a little skewed, not quite Silent Hill to begin with, but maybe sort of leaning in that direction where you start seeing just all sorts of crazy things and you've got to navigate your way through some puzzles, perhaps. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm now sort of picturing like even, even like the, the Constantine sort of, sort of character who, you know, his, his wife was taken from him sort of thing. He, he was, I, I believe if I remember rightly, he was like taken to hell and, and tortured a bit. So, so you could have that sort of torment of, of his past and knowing that, you know, he's got to, he's got to go through and do all this stuff to try and save his wife. But the, um, the actual, you know, the surfacing is, is his powers just gradually coming in. But also you got that, that other angle of, you know, not knowing if, if you're actually, you know, kind of like, um, you remember that, uh, movie Sucker Punch where, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, the, the girls were actually in the, in the asylum the entire time. You could have like some, some levels that it, it looks as though, you know, he's in, he's in his own personal hell or something like that. Uh, fast forwarding to the end of the game, you find out that it's actually the devil was, um, was playing tricks on, on the character and he does really have all these powers. So maybe like a reverse, um, what's the, What's that game where you're a soldier in the Middle East and um, things start going... Like, you start seeing things and... Spec Ops. Spec Ops the line. line, yeah. That was an awesome game, by the way. If you haven't played it, get out there and play it. It's just... It really hit home So maybe like a reverse Spec Ops, where instead of throughout the game... Or throughout the game, you start thinking you're going crazy, but then it pulls a Swifty on you and, spoiler alert, no, 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 the devil is real, and all that shit really was happening to you. (laughs) And and so when when the game starts and and you're in your apartment and you kind of maybe doing the heavy rain sort of thing of walking around and and just you know having to use the PlayStation Move controllers to actually do like um, go outside and play with your kids and mm-hmm. or something like that and then you see like some someone in the window and you sort of you do a double take and you look back and there's there's no one there but it's like you start thinking that your neighbor maybe maybe a little bit crazy and turns out that your neighbor is actually the devil yeah so you'd have license to do all those kind of horror tropes you know like the um Hmm. speaking of heavy rain and and indigo prophecy or uh, fahrenheit as it was known they do that you know that classic jump scare where you've got the medicine cabinet open in the bathroom and you close it and, you know, whoa, jump scare, there's some dead guy in there for like a second. Um, yep. But this, you, you you do it the other way around. You make it subtle. Like you um, have when he walks into the bathroom, the crazy, creepy dead person behind him. But he doesn't, he kind of sees it, but doesn't notice, opens the medicine cabinet, closes it, and they're not there. And yep. you try and make it sort of a twist on the old uh, uh, on the old formula. Yeah. Um, I think twisting on, on, on the um, audience's ideas as to what they think is actually going on is is a um a good thing especially 
because games are, are such a, a really untapped medium at the moment. Like, there's so much that you can do with games that you that you just don't have the luxury of doing with um with movies or TV shows right now. And to to throw all the tropes on their head would actually be um really quite interesting. Yeah, especially because we all think we're very knowledgeable, and of course we are. Where we can say, oh, you know, I know, yeah, you know, I've watched all the horror movies. So personally, me, I have not because I'm a coward. I hate. Horror is very, very scary. But I do know people who love playing horror games and, and watching horror movies and they'd see all these tropes and, and being able to invert them and subvert expectations, I think could be really powerful in this kind of game. Yeah. And just when you were expecting a jump scare, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, even do, even do the, um, the sort of the music sting with, without a jump scare, you know, it's sort of like you, you've got that, you open the cupboard and the, the music jumps. And there's someone there. You turn around expecting the jump scare to be there and there's nothing there. And so you, you're literally like, okay, when's this actually going to happen? Yeah. And it could be like two, three seconds later, you, you hear a noise up outside. And as, as you then turn around to, you know, you stand up, there's like the jump scare right in front of you or, or on the couch or something like that. Or yeah, it's not even like, it's not a jump scare. It's so you walk into the room and you can see, the creature or whatever it was that would have scared, you know, that would have jumped out and scared you is just sitting there like it's all cool. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're walking down the street and you see, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling a, uh, an idea from uh, an interesting book called John Dies at the End, where he sees a picture of a popular burger establishment and sees their, their clown uh, mascot, you know, sort of a, a statue of him. But he's eating his, he's being forced to eat his own intestines. And the longer you look at it, the oh. more, the more twisted that picture looks. So instead of this sort of grimace, it's sort of a, um, it's a cry for help almost in his face. So maybe the longer you linger <laughs> you on this. Grimace. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not pun intended, but I'll take it. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. <laughs> so maybe the the point of this game, instead of trying to avoid all these jump scares, is more you almost have to normalize these things by paying attention to them. Or if you pay attention to them longer, they they become more twisted. Um, so the the crazy demon that's on your couch that didn't jump out at you, he's just sitting there um, staring into oblivion. You either have to pretend like everything's normal or just sort of stare at it until it becomes really, really twisted and then maybe fades away. So it kind of forces you to confront uh, these these bizarre happenings in your world. Yeah. Um, what I'm what I'm now seeing is you know kind of like a um, well going back to the quantic dream idea that there's there's multiple endings for this sort of game mm-hmm. that if if you manage to sort of get through the game sort of ignoring all these things then your character actually believes in this um in this world that that he's it's sort of been constructed around him and he never actually unlocks those those sort of powers that that are actually possible if you if you lean into the horror and you and you start focusing on that then you actually start unlocking the powers for the for the other part of the game so there's actually a way of getting through this game without without actually ever realizing the full full potential of your character because it turns out that maybe the devil has actually locked you into this um into this personal hell that you think is um is you know real life i love that because it can be a as you said like with the different endings if you go down one path where you just ignore everything then your character maybe thinks oh, okay well i'm obviously i've maybe just got um you know, a mental disorder, or I've got something going on, I need counseling, I need, you know, maybe maybe I need medication, and, and sort of you handle your life that way, and you're trying to 
uh, ignore or deal with those problems or deal with problems in your life that you think are manifesting in this sort of bizarre way. Alternately, you can lean into it and it becomes a fantasy story where you're getting all these crazy powers and, you know, demons are or demons and ghouls and vampires or whatever are showing up in your living room uh, or over your fence and and trying to spook you. But you have to just lean into it and go like, no, I'm going to confront you and yes i am a demo demigod yeah oh i I, there's the the possibility is almost endless with it like you know you you either lean into the mundane like the start of heavy heavy rain or you or you lean into the into the craziness of the of the game and and as you go you know it turns into a different sort of genre of game you know it's no longer that sort of walk around and and do things it's more walk around and now now you're actually getting the chance to go up against like enemies and and like well maybe maybe even like a, a adventure game sort of thing where you're solving supernatural puzzles. Oh, absolutely! I love it. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yep, same here. Um, three to one click. Like our internet tonight, unreliability. Oh, I have observatory. <laughs> um. So, what do you reckon about a game where you play an astronomer in in a um in a like observatory but it turns out that the um that the the machines in there are really unreliable and they keep on they keep on making um false claims that there's an asteroid coming to earth okay so do you reckon you have to maintain this machine and try and repair it so that it becomes more reliable or maybe upgrade it or do you think uh again it's sort of like a a, almost like a quantum observatory where sometimes you look at a thing and oh it's just jupiter there it's no big deal and then like you go and look again and it's asteroids on its way yeah um i'm i'm thinking going going in the um in the way of you've got to repair bits and pieces they're they're just the parts that you've been getting are from like a really really cheap factory so they're all very unreliable so like it's a it's a relatively automated automated system. Maybe you don't play the astronomer. Maybe you play like the engineer that has to like fix the gears on on this this thing. And and these um these these other astronomers are are basically you know telling you oh this this part's broken now. Can you go fix this? This thing's so unreliable. Oh yeah, so it's almost like uh remember those old flash games where you were a bartender and you had to like throw the beers down the track yeah, at people pepper. getting close. So this <laughs> this one's kind of like that. There's a this rundown observatory. And you need to, you're getting these these ticket requests that are like, oh, we need a new gear spring. Oh, we need a new thing. Or this part's broken. I'm not going to tell you what's wrong, but you have to figure out what's going to repair it. And so you have to go scrounge up materials, um, maybe in some abandoned warehouse or something, as you said, like very unreliable pieces and yep. uh, and sort of give them to sort of tide them over for now. Uh, even though, you know, another thing's going to break sometime soon. And that's, you know, the difficulty starts ramping up as, as these faults keep happening and maybe it becomes just untenable after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I quite like the idea, you know, you got the Five Nights at Freddy's sort of idea of, of maybe there's, there's a couple of different locations that you can, you can get these parts mm, from. Yeah. And you've got to sort of remember what was actually happening there and sort of, um, like not bring in the horror elements of it, but, but more, okay, I saw a spring over in this area. So you've got to then travel to that location, get the spring and travel back to the location that the ticket said that the spring had to go in. And maybe there's some, there's some levels where they go, okay, we need, we need this particular type of screw. 
but that screw happens to be in some other some other thing and you've got to like unscrew it from there and and use this screw in the um in the telescope or whatever whatever you're trying to fix so it's it's sort of like a one of those memory games where as you're doing each thing you'll actually be able to take note of where you saw where you saw this x type of screw or x type of panel that could be hidden in in one of these boxes in what in one of the rooms yeah i like that idea especially if at the start of each level you're going to have maybe 30 seconds or a minute of time where you know nothing's broken yet. And so it's a matter of, okay, I'm going to run around this level and sort of work out its maze-like structure and kind of work out where some important things are. Maybe you can grab one or two pieces of, of gear and kind of put them in a central location in that time so that you're you're sort of ready to go. Yeah. Um, and, you yeah, you might go, okay, I'm going to grab these because I know, you know, because I've been playing so much that, you know, screws are super important. They always break. Springs always break too. I'll grab a couple of them, put them in the middle because you can't carry too much at once. But you can you can create your little, your little pile of stuff. Yeah. But... You could even have like, um, you could have like a automated Roomba that sort of goes around and picks up like, and goes around and tries to clearing up, clearing out the area that goes by every like 15 minutes or so. So you've, you gotta be careful as to where you put it because this automated robot comes by and, um, and cleans up some of the mess if you, if you haven't hidden it in, in a good place or, or protected it in such a way. Well, I like the idea of the Roomba almost as like a, a pet in, um, in Torchlight 2 or something, where you could send it out to go Roomba some stuff and it will go and bring it back, but it's quite slow. And once it picks it up, you can't get access to it until it brings it back. Okay, so it's one of those things where, okay, I've, I've undone all these screws. I've grabbed these four screws here. I'll take them back, but I'll send the Roomba out to go get the other 27 that I that I did. Yeah. So you send it out and it comes back over time and you hope in that time you haven't actually run out of these four screws because you literally took everything out of there yeah exactly yeah, and maybe it can yeah maybe it can hold like 10 or 15 or 20 and so it'll do one or two trips um and if you can get there before it you know it's an, oh wait it's a, i've got a screw emergency you know i need to run there and get them before the Roomba does but if you've already set it up and it's grabbed them and it's on its way back it's like too late it's on its automated path you have to wait till it drops it off back in your uh, your little central mechanics where where sh- uh, shop or whatever yep so okay just like five nights at freddy's you know you've got the secret sixth or seventh night mm-hmm. um and your friend the rumba like literally breaks down halfway through it's like third trip or something like that and it's just just happens to be scripted that way and you've got to destroy your only friend oh just no. to really just to just to really put home. You remember, remember um, in Portal how you had to kill the companion cube? What? You gotta com- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to kill your companion Roomba. <laughs> oh, I think that'd be brilliant, especially if you are able. Little to- do you know that you can just repair it again. But <laughs> yeah, I think though you should be able to um, throughout all those nights. If maybe you save a little bit of scrap, you can like give it little upgrades so it moves a little bit faster, maybe carries a little bit more, and it becomes like your your friend right or your i mean it's a partner with you you rely on it yeah and then in the last mission it's you know the Roomba is evil or whatever <laughs> you, have to, you have to maybe you know it's gone crazy it's the one that's been destroying all these observatories um and oh you need to yeah. take him out that, that's a that's actually kind of a cool idea like um turns out that you know the unreliability as you start going, maybe you find in like some boxes, you open up a box and it's got like, there's a, there's like a, a hastily written note inside 
from from like the previous guy saying something something's going on like it, it's getting it's getting worse and worse each night the um all these machines keep breaking down but there's no way that you know this many springs or something could be could be snapping there's got to be something that's actually causing this talking about how you know their only friend the Roomba you know they sent him out and it took took the Roomba a lot longer to get back um than than what it really should have yeah and maybe um sometimes like it'll bring back a screw. Um, yeah, I kind of like that that idea of the the Roomba actually being the um, almost sort of sentient, and it's it's literally trying to keep you in a job. Yeah, by doing by doing all this and and keep you busy and keep keep its friend. But if if you don't happen to fix this um this machine, the um the scientists could actually miss like an asteroid that is literally coming to coming to destroy Earth. So it's like it's that sort of time pressure of we need to we need to be able to. You know, they managed to see it. There's time pressure of being able to actually fix this this problem so that they can actually get get the right um, coordinates so that they can they can send the Armageddon team up to to destroy the the asteroid. But if it if it doesn't if the machine doesn't get fixed within within enough time, then you know the whole world is doomed. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's sort of like that fail state on each night. If uh, you know you need to make sure the observatory is running and maybe. It can't go offline, either can't go offline at all and, you know, pieces are starting to fail or it can't be offline for more than, you know, a minute or two minutes or something. So when it, you know, if a piece does fail, that's when the, the timer starts and is like, you have to, you've got to get that screw or that, that spring in the right spot and get it done. Yeah. Uh, get over there and do it or else, uh, or else it's going to be game over and we all blow up from an asteroid because <laughs> somehow just, you know, the the observatories looking at them keep them away. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm picturing the ticketing system. It has to be like an old dot matrix printer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of one of the things that happens on on one of the nights is the dot dot matrix printer actually goes on on the fritz. So you can't actually get any tickets out until you fix the printer, and then you know you find out how many tickets you've actually got to you got to actually fix. So um, you're adding that extra extra little bit of hassle to to try and get through get through this particular mission. Yeah, I love that, and I love the idea of that on one night uh, as an added bit of complexity. Maybe your buddy Roomby, who you've been using and upgrading, uh, occasionally he brings back an item or he d- he picks up an item or like 10 items, but only ends up bringing back eight and two of them are too badly damaged to use. Oh, <laughs> And yeah. either you can try and, re- you know, spend more resources to repair Roomby and kind of prevent that from happening or reduce the chance of that happening. But it's also foreshadowing for when Roomby turns evil. <laughs> <laughs> um maybe maybe you're trying to leave the job or something like that and Roomba isn't very happy about that so you hear the door sort of lock and you turn around and it's like this Roomba halfway up the, up the wall that's just like <laughs> close the thing over and it's like oh my god and then you realize like in this whole facility everything was ramps you know there was no there was no stairs nowhere is safe <laughs> i'm now imagining you you know how in all those horror movies there's, there's this trope where pretty much you you see like flashbacks as you know once you, once you realize who who the killer is you see flashbacks of the killer doing all these things and how they got away with it yeah. so you just keep on seeing these these little roomba things of 
Like it's slowly going up <laughs> and slowly chasing, chasing like an astronomer. <laughs> like the astronomer's just walking away very calmly <laughs> and just imagining these these really funny, funny little things where you think that oh, this this astronomer's going to die here, and it turns out that it's just like an accident that occurred. <laughs> yeah, like the like that. the astronomer, um, like the rumbi bumps into his foot, and like the rumbi kind of. Uh, the the astronomer uh, sprains his ankle, maybe, or looks away for like a second when a when an asteroid goes past. Like somehow this yep. Roomba knows where the asteroids are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I love this idea yet again. Another one, another one that I I'll sign up for. Yeah. Um, who who do you reckon have to make it? Uh, I don't know, but it's got to, as you said, like that whole Armageddon thing. It's got to play the uh, that uh don't. Don't want to close my eyes. You know, like that that song's got to play. <laughs> it's, just, it's just playing on the radio or some stage. Yeah. <laughs> maybe MIDI version of it. That's right. Or maybe during the during the um, the flashbacks where you're seeing Rumbi do all those things. It's, oh. don't want to fall asleep because I miss <laughs> you, Rumbi. So, I'm, I'm now imagining, like, at the start of each each shift you're going down in an elevator and you're hearing different elevator music Mm -hmm. and on one of the nights it's just like the um it's just like the lounge version of um don't want to close my eyes just just in you know the so like the um the lady from eponema you know do 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 oh definitely (laughs) and you got that going in the in the elevator on the way down exactly um it's got to have that bit sort of like in papers please uh, as you mentioned i played that recently and yep. um and we've been talking about five nights at freddy's where it's got to have the newspaper between each day so oh yeah definitely so maybe yeah the uh, the astronauts did get sent up to the um to the asteroid and it's your job to make sure that they can see them at all times with the observatory uh and yeah, yeah on the f- on the fifth day or something it's playing the playing that song <laughs> Oh, I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um I, I kind of want an all Aerosmith um music in the um in the elevator. Yeah. Because I kinda of want to hear love in an elevator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um But then, okay, then yeah. one day, and just in the final point, one day okay. that uh maybe on the last day, on the on the sixth day, you know, the the extra day when shit's got real, the uh the speaker in the in the elevator's broken and that's how you know like, oh shit. Something's something's really gone wrong. We're beyond <laughs> beyond the pale now. Oh god, uh, Roomby's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll do. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> Antenna overhaul. Ooh. Okay, so this is this is a game where you play a just a, a typical handyman who works for Mister Antenna and. Recently, there's there's been an overhaul of the antenna technology. So you've got to you've got to um, go up to go up to these people, go through some um, go through some like typical like dialogue tree sort of things to try and convince them to um, to install the new antenna. So what you're telling me is you want to create a game about the Australian NBN. You want to have dialogue trees where you're trying to convince people to either get a new antenna or fiber to the prem or fiber to the node or HFC. Pretty much. Uh, look, I'm on board. <laughs> uh, but I'm thinking, you know, kind of like a lot of our games tonight, there's there's like an ulterior motive going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. that um, effectively, you know, um, you're going in and you, the first couple of houses, you're telling them, okay, we can, 
we can go um, go into your house and and install this brand new antenna, and for free we'll give you like this awesome internet package that um that comes just through your antenna, and is of no charge to you. You'll get better better picture on your TV. You get free internet. So everyone's sort of going for it. But as you're actually installing these things, you you start noticing, like I'm thinking. This is using alien technology mm-hmm. and like it's just a big conspiracy that you, you start getting, you start getting involved in that you, you start almost not wanting to, to hit your quota each day, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think it's definitely got to have that quota system each day where you're under the pump. You got to try and hit, get as many people converted onto an antenna as this new Mr. Antenna system as quickly as possible. Yep. But also, you've got to try and upsell them, right? You've got to upsell, cross-sell, downsell, all the sellings. Um, and so, that, that first part of each each session is, you know, dialogue tree after dialogue tree, maybe even with some L.A. Noir-level interrogation. <laughs> where you, you did it, didn't you? Well... I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you downloaded Game you of Thrones, didn't top. you? Get our antenna. Um... And you've got to you've got to try and put the hard sell, but based on their facial, you know how they're reacting, you maybe have to lay off the gas a little bit and just take take the deal that they've agreed to. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think maybe they're still on, you know, if you're still doing really well with your with your dialogue choices, they'll be they'll they'll seem really relaxed and open to the idea of of being sold more, perhaps. So in in each of the houses. I'm just imagining sort of like in this neighborhood. Did you ever, there's an old DOS game that was a movie tie in. It was a movie tie in for the movie Arachnophobia. Okay. <laughs> now what happened in the game was as you, as you went, went through, you, 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 you played the, um, you played the exterminator and you had to, had to go into each of the houses trying to find, trying to find the, um, the big nest. Yep. And, um, so it it was like a, a a side scrolly sort of thing once you got into each of the houses. So with with the actual installation of the um of the antenna, I'm thinking it goes into like a cutaway view of the house, and you've you've got to sort of lay the cable all the way up, you know, to this antenna on the roof, and and work out how to actually set it up in there. But as you go on, you know, this alien technology, um, maybe it's actually being brought in so that the I know these aliens can actually convert the the families into into their own kind. So we're talking like a Batman Forever situation with the yeah. Edward Nigma. Batman thing. Forever except except with aliens and it turns out that the president of, of the company was taken over by aliens quite a while ago and has designed this um this idea with the help of his his other alien friends. I like that because it's you're you're trying to convince them that they need better packages and more stuff and like better things. But if they, if they get the the better package, then they're actually converted a lot quicker. And and as you as you go back, you know, to try and find out whether whether they're happy with their package, you know, they've got they've got sort of like blank looks on their face, and they go, "Yes, <laughs> we are very happy." And <laughs> your reward, obviously, you get a better reward or a better score or more money or whatever from signing them up to bigger packages. But the wiring com- uh, becomes so much more complex. Uh, so the wiring part of it, you're kind of setting yourself up for more difficulty by by bargaining better. Um, so, so in in the second half of the game that you weren't expecting at all, where you've got to destroy all the work that you've done, and that will actually stop this this mind control. Um, you know, that's that's where you you're literally going through this neighborhood, just trying to trying to 
you can't just cut the cable because it's like a self-repairing cable. It's like this weird alien technology. You've actually got to get in there and, and destroy these critical points that, that you thought were just nodes in there just to, just to help with, um, like signal almost repeaters. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> signal boosting and that sort of stuff. I don't know. I reckon this could be really quite cool. And if, if you actually kill the people that, that are, in the house, then, you know, it's sort of, it's, you, you're trying to keep as much life as possible, but sometimes you're going to have to actually make that moral choice between, okay, the only way that I can, that I can stop this particular, this particular, um, antenna from, from taking over this whole family is by killing this five year old kid who's, who's the final, the final boss in this particular room. What would Ruby think? What would the, what would the cordial shield think of that kind of behavior? Trevor? Um, I don't think he'd want to hear you speak like that. It's been a very moral choice sort of thing tonight, hasn't <laughs> it? Yes. But I'm loving I, it. I really like this, this conspiracy of, of, of big, this alien takeover that you that, that you're you're literally part of, and then you're trying to take it down from the inside. Well, of course, the all aliens while we're trying to keep your quota up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and of course, the aliens are going to have to have big antenna on their heads, like maybe some kind of insect aliens, just to really drive that home. Because um, of course, the giant antenna aliens had to create an antenna company called Mr. Antenna. But the twist is when you go starting to smoosh bugs, you become the superhero Mr. Antenna that we all know and love. Yep. And just because it's like a play on the word ant Anna, maybe it's Aunt Emma that you're actually working for. Oh, yeah. And you say it quick and it's like antenna. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it turns out Aunt Emma is actually a thousand ants in a trench coat. <laughs> or a trillion. I'm not really sure how big ants would have to be. <laughs> and the whole time there was just sort of buzzing. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't really hidden. <laughs> They were, yeah, they were just wearing this, like, Carmen, Sandio, uh, Carmen Sandiego-esque trench coat, giving oh, you giving you your orders. not just in a trench coat, but they're actually in, like, a skin suit. Yes. So, <laughs> like, at the end of each day, you, you go in front of Aunt Emma, um, and if you, if you look kind of closely, you actually see, like, sort of rippling things under the skin, and it's all the ants sort of moving in underneath, and it's like, it gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on, but obviously you've got to, you've got to try and keep your ant overlords happy. And that's why we need the L.A. Noir level of facial uh, animation, because not only do you need it to convince these people to, to get better packages, you start, you realize straight off the bat that Aunt Emma, the antenna lady, has no yep. facial um, expression at all to begin with. Uh, and then, yeah, the movements become a, a super robotic in comparison. It's like, oh, did they, did they code this incorrectly or, oh no, it's actually part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the facial animation from, uh, you get, you get the same facial animation supervisor from, um, Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> 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 it turns out that it was actually, it's all part of the plot. It's part of the game. So, you know, all these reviews going like, oh, they did really well in this area. But, um, yeah, it, it, the scenes where you go back and speak to your boss are just really terribly animated. And then you can tell who actually finished the game. And they get to the end and they go, oh, my God. It was the best use of this particular this particular person. Exactly. <laughs> they actually had a story reason for it. Okay, I reckon we've got time for just one more. All right. If you if you're okay. Yeah, yeah. That. Okay, three to one click. Cornmeal. Morphine. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I think like every every game we've done this tonight has been has a really sort of dark, um, well, very cartoony and light in places, but they've always they've, yeah. they've all had these sort of dark gray um, moral questions. Um, and I'm just reading up on what cornmeal is. It, it's kind of like plinter. wheat, but not. Yeah, it's it, we, we've had th- we've had this word before. It's it's polenta. Oh, um, hey, polenta. That's a fun. Morphine doesn't sound as fun. Like it's not as fun and lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Okay, um, gang, 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 gang. So you're you're a polenta salesman, mm-hmm. and you've you've just got this this amazing shipment of um of like polenta. They came in. It's a, it's a little bit unusual coloured. You you're not you're not used to seeing um like you you see like bits of uh, spots of black through it but you think oh no it could just be this this particular um version that you've that you've got and you've you've sent it out into the, into the world and you know you sold it to all the restaurants and all that sort of stuff but it turns out that what they were were these special poppy seeds that are that are basically you know opium so you've effectively turned all these all these unsuspecting people into morphine addicts i want to I wanted to put a spin on this because I want yep. I don't want to go out on a dark and dreary one. Oh no. I was I was thinking of, of uh, like, you know, how how can we make this um a little bit a little bit happier? I was thinking <laughs> by by addicting people to morphine. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you are a hero like Mario, but instead of mushrooms and stuff, you're a glute you're a celiac hero. And so you can't eat wheat, <laughs> but you can eat cornmeal and you can eat polenta. And mm-hmm. that's where you derive your strength from this gluten-free diet that you have. Um, yeah. And so when you get this polenta, it's it's like a drug, and it's sort of you kind of go superstar Mario. Um, and <laughs> exactly, but you know, gluten-free, and then because um, <laughs> Super Mario, uh, you know, obviously gluten-laden, and. Uh, and you get all these amazing powers, uh, like you uh, can shrug off damage. Um, you're essentially immortal. Maybe you're stronger. Sort of all the effects. Um, so those those good effects that video games put morphine on, right? Like painkillers. You can usually take yep. more damage and whatnot. Um, so you're you're using it as a as a it's a painkiller. Yeah. So um, it it makes him super strong. So it's it's not a not an official use of of morphine. It's not like it's going to be addictive or anything like that. No. It's just morphine gives you gives you painkillers. Okay. Yep. So we we can do this. So is it is it actually like an educational game saying you know if you, if you don't eat gluten you you're actually um, super power you, know, you can be super strong or is is it more Okay, it just happens to be that in this case, a, he's kind of like a Popeye-like character who, um, instead of spinach, he eats cornmeal. Well, I'm thinking maybe uh, you have the full range, right? It's kind of like Super Mario World, Super Mario Bros. 2, where you could yep. choose Mario, Luigi, Peach, or Toad. Uh, and one of the characters is a celiac, one of them is a vegan, and one of them is uh, diabetic, and one of them is uh, allergic to nuts. And... <laughs> You know, they have this sort of, you've got this team you can choose from. And depending on which one you choose to try and beat this level, um, I'm, I'm imagining a platformer, but I'm open to, open to ideas on this one. Um, you have different abilities and the power ups that, or the food you come across either her, um, help or hinder you. So if you're a celiac, any sort of flower related stuff, wheat, 
related stuff will actually power you down. But any so really, you don't want to be the celiac in like the bakery. Exactly. Yeah, in the bread level. In the bread level. Yeah. Um. So, do you know before going into the level that it's that you know that's that's the sort of level that you're going to go into, or is it one of these things that you choose someone and it just happens to be okay? This is this is the bakery level. You've chosen the wrong person. So, good luck. This is like super hard mode. I think maybe um, there'd just be the levels would be in the same order, kind of like a, a Super Mario Brothers game, but um, you you know. On your second playthrough, or if, or if you die and you have you, you lose one of your mans and you have to go back and start the level again, then it's like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll try this hero because you know the vegan can go into lotus position and float over uh, pits, right? If they've had their um, yep. their veggie juice, uh, whereas the <laughs> the um, yeah the the celiac if they have their their cornmeal um, and you know non non wheat related flour. Um, if they have their polenta or couscous, then they become super strong and they can just plow through enemies. So it's tossing up like what kind of abilities do you think will be useful uh, in the level? And, it, you know, all of them are pretty balanced. So I'm imagining, um, and this is a mechanic again from an old an old game. I, I see, keep on going back to old games at the moment. Did you ever play the game Nightmare in Elm Street for the PC? No, but I think I've heard a fair bit um, about it. Uh, is it like an old 80s so game there was, or there was a Dream Warriors game in which um, you, at the very start of the game, you picked, you picked like, one or two characters or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the characters were actually hidden throughout, throughout the level, uh, throughout the entire game. Oh. So that um, in this game, if I'm imagining you're a person, or you've, you've got your selection of characters, but if one of them dies in one of the levels, they get captured and taken to to like a, a hidden area in, in like one of the levels. So you how you get your life back is actually by by searching around in these levels to try and find to try and find your your missing character. So if if say it's the bakery level and um, you've lost your your, your vegan, mm-hmm. so you 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 send in I don't know the um, the diabetic and they they happen to get through the level without finding that person, well, you no longer have that person for the rest of the game sort of thing. Uh, so, so, yeah, there's a couple of spots that could hide them and that'll be random, but, you know, there's there's a fridge in that level that they are trapped in that you have to bust open. Yeah, uh, or, or, there's, or there's, like, a sub-basement that mm-hmm. by, by turning something on, you know, the second part of... The second part of this warehouse, you can you can like turn this um, turn this valve and and it'll open you know stairs leading down and then you got to beat the guards down there or something like that. Yeah, it activates it activates the bakery ovens and that um, you know opens up a certain door. But in doing so, you've activated the um, the the ra- um, the conveyor belts and stuff, and so you know the platforming becomes a bit harder to get into that area to to rescue yeah. rescue the person. So, so it also brings up the idea of again having like a Metroidvania sort of thing for each level that you know you can actually go slightly different paths to get to to get to different areas in these levels, um, so that you can actually you know follow this sort of unusual two D platformer maze that, that you know you can you can change effectively your your perspective. You're going down this this hallway, but then it's it um, the whole camera can flip over into another two D level basically. So you're only ever in 2D, but you can you can search back back in back passages and that sort of stuff to to try and get through these levels. I like that. Um, I like that idea of the sort of Metroid style 
Um, but and have it where you start off with maybe just one one character and you have to go unlock them um, kind of like you would unlock new weapons in Metroid and then doing so gives you access to new areas. So you'd have to like go backtrack yep. and uh, it's like, oh, okay, now I've got um, the paleo diet person. Um, so they, you know, they're going <laughs> to knock this, this thing out for me with whatever paleo is. I'm not really sure. Um, but oh, I've, or I've got the person that only ever orders meat lovers pizzas. Like they only eat meat. Um, <laughs> oh, but so in other words, you've just found meat. <laughs> exactly. You know, and they've, um, and, and they can do certain things that, you know, the vegan can't. And we all have to work to, you all have to work together to, uh, to get through these different kind of puzzles and these different, um, blocks. Um, and yeah, and I think what what's great about having it that whoever whatever characters you've got available then, because um, because you could do it like a um kind of like a you know how Dead Rising had all these different characters and you can't necessarily save them all. Yeah. So as you go through, you know you can you can get to a certain level and a certain part of the game, and it's like I didn't get to this this part quick enough. This person is no longer available. They um they you know. Maybe not perished, but they then they're no longer in this location for you to meet. Yeah. So you, you happen to miss out on them, and then maybe like the Dead Rising idea that you can actually restart at any time and actually bring um bring your current your current level, you know how much you've leveled your character up. Yeah. Um and keep it going. I I, I don't think that that gets used enough. That was a really cool mechanic. I thought you could sort of reset the game, but keep your. I mean, it's kind of like a new game plus, but even yeah. without having to beat the game. Yeah. So it's like um I remember in Dead Rising One, I think. You know, I played that first, that first little boss battle thing so many times because I'd, I'd sort of get to that part, beat that first boss battle, go back to the start, do it, play it again, just trying to get the, um, just trying to get the, um, my, my level up a bit so I mm. could actually, you know, get through the next part because the next, the next boss in that central area was just a complete and utter bitch. Um, <laughs> so the idea of having that, that idea and also having, you know, these characters that you're not necessarily going to be able to meet, but if you do meet, then you're, you're, opening up other parts of the levels for yourself but just in a 2d a 2d way of of thinking yeah and i like that idea you mentioned before whereas if you if you lose one of those and then you have to sort of start that area again from a checkpoint with a new character or with one of the other characters you've unlocked but you can go and try and find and rescue um the person you lost because they got captured and and put in a fridge or a a pantry or or something um in an area you could you could literally have it that you've got um your celiac that you don't want to send to the bakery level so you send your paleo guy he gets captured you send your meat lovers pizza guy he gets captured and all you've got left is your celiac guy so now now you've sort of going okay i need to get through and you your energy is getting sapped and you know, you, you've got to sort of work even harder to get to save one of these characters and you save this character and you can quickly switch to this other character and then they can, they can, you know, get through, get through the level for you. Yeah. I think that's, I think that'd be really good. So you can either go, all right, I'm going to push on and try and just get through this area, maybe do some stuff, or maybe I'm going to backtrack a bit and see if I can find, maybe they've been captured and put in a spot I've already been in or a spot behind me that I haven't uh, fully explored yet and see if I can sort of mm-hmm. get get one of them back and maybe I'll have a better chance with that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that'll do us for today. Excellent. We've gone 
a little bit further over than what I really wanted to, but that's okay. We, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a great time. <laughs> I'd like to thank everyone for joining us here today on BitStorm. If you want to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we're BitStormcast on all those. If you can check out iTunes where you can rate, review, give us some of those ratings and reviews. It'll help us, help us quite a bit. And then also subscribe to us while you're there. Help us get some of our early week uh, listens going. Check out our website, bitstormcast.com. I'd like to thank Kuridas for the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure. Very, very, very much like to thank Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for helping us do our recording today. There was a little bit of an audio mix-up at the start, and I started recording on the wrong mic. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Zencaster, for doing that awesome recording that you do and uploading it straight to my Dropbox. So check out Zencaster. I'd like to thank the oh like you to all check out the australasian gaming podcast network we're both members of of that awesome network mm-hmm. and i've got to say it's a real fun network to be involved in what do you reckon yeah even if you don't have a podcast it's kind of cool to just uh jump in there and and see what everyone's chatting about everyone's super friendly and i think there's usually sort of an overwatch tournament every friday isn't there um it sort of changes between different games mm. so so it's Good people. My regular co-host, Ben, he's been working on this amazing website for quite a long time, and it's podchaser.com. You can check it out with the beta key BitStorm, or do you happen to have a beta key there as well, Daniel? Yeah, so you can use the beta key Game Club and show that you like yep. me more than Trevor and Ben. Yep, go go ahead and rate rate us um, all five stars, and, and you know, maybe maybe rate Game Club as four stars. <laughs> 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 nah, just kidding. Rate, rate us both five stars, because you know what? Every every rating on on Podchaser will help us get up those um get up those trending lists. And if we get up the trending list, then we'll get more people listening, and then we'll get some some more content out, maybe. So, how can everyone uh, check you guys out on Game Club and and yourself, Daniel? Yeah, so you can follow me uh, on Twitter at nfgdan. Um, got a website nonfictiongaming.com, uh, or if you don't want to type all that, it's nfglive.com. Uh, there's links there to the podcast, show notes, interviews we've done, articles, news, all that good stuff. Uh, I trust that if you're listening to the podcast, Bitstorm, you're a pretty savvy person. Uh, so you probably know how the internet and podcast work. So I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, Game Club uh, either through those links or, or by searching iTunes. And there's um, it's got my photo and, and my co-host photo in there. So you should be able to see us there. Yeah. And definitely check out the Papers, Please episode. That was quite a good good episode. And Thank you. And even though you don't mention me, mention me by name, you do mention um, that we were playing a little bit of D&D, and that was a lot of fun. That's right. And this uh, week uh, we're recording, uh, we'll be recording this weekend, we're playing Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator by the uh, Game oh, Grumps guys. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard lots of good things about that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I'd like to once again thank everyone for joining us here on BitStorm. I've been Trevor Scott. I've been Dan Ryan. A game where you got to play an engineer who's fixing all these mysterious breakings down of the equipment. Unreliable Observatory. Get on it. 